You're listening to Comedy Central. Live from Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah presents Podgasm 2020, Democratic Debate Number 2. Too fast, too furious, too many candidates. Here's the dish. to you live i mean live you see you can't even edit that because we are live from new york people this is exciting welcome to the show now this was a truly important night for america a night where the nation tuned in to watch one man emerge from a giant field of candidates and achieve a hard-fought victory that's right tonight was the bachelorette finale (laughs) you did the right thing hannah jed was no good for you Uh, tonight was, oh yeah, tonight was also an important night because we just finished watching the second Democratic presidential debate. Now, this debate was held in Detroit, Michigan, which is significant for a couple of reasons. First, because Michigan is a major swing state. Secondly, because the Fox Theater is where the debate was held. It's one of the most pivotal, pivotal moments in presidential campaign history. It's all happening here in downtown Detroit at the Fox Theater, the same debate venue where Donald Trump talked about the size of his hands. He referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee you. Oh, that was so embarrassing. Whatever happened to that guy? (laughs) Now, just like the last time, this was the first of two nights of debates with 10 candidates each night. So the format is the same, but there is one major difference. Montana governor, Steve Bullock. He took the spot of Congressman Eric Swalwell, who tragically got caught in a trap set by candidate poachers. (laughs) And you may be wondering how they decided which candidates would debate on which night. Well, it was all up to CNN, which means the process was about as ridiculous as possible. Breaking this pile into thirds, putting this in the debate night box here, where I will give it a stir, and we will get going to see when these candidates will be debating. First out of 10 names here is Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York. He ran, he was the campaign manager for Hillary Clinton's successful bid for the Senate in 2000. He'll take the stage on the second night, Wednesday, July 31st. Okay, what? What is going on? (laughs) I feel like I'm watching bloopers from the courtroom scene in Chernobyl. That's what this feels like. It's like, and when we mix uh, Bill de Blasio with Marion Williamson, it creates a chain reaction which could destroy an entire city. <laughs> like, I don't know why CNN couldn't just tell us which candidates would go on which nights. Like, if they were gonna do this dramatic process, they should have had more fun with it, you know? Like, if I was in charge, right? I would have, I would have done it. I've also got a box, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I would have just been like, okay, well, let's see over here. We've got uh, Bernie Sanders is gonna be uh, debating... Uh, without pants. There you go. There you go. That's what the debate's gonna be. Have more fun. Now, CNN's selection and their show may have been weird, but even more weird is the fact that every Democratic debate now comes with commentary from O.J. Simpson. Yes, that O.J. You know O.J., the guy who used to star in those Hertz commercials? Yes, allegedly. And just like he did with the debates in June, OJ was on Twitter today sharing his thoughts on the primary race. 
as far as the debates are concerned, I saw where one of the people actually put out a plan, something for them to uh, uh, debate the merits of tonight. Now, they all should do that. It's easy to say, oh, we should fix global warming. Uh, we should have an affordable health care plan. We should have a chicken in every pot. All of that sounds good. The question is, how are you going to do it? Oh, I hear what O.J. is saying. He's saying these Democrats can't just show up to the debate without a plan. They've got to premeditate this thing. <laughs> but enough. Enough with the preamble. Let's get to tonight's debates and its preamble. Because instead of jumping straight into the debates, CNN started with a long fight night promo, right? <laughs> and then an endless stream of all the Democratic candidates shaking hands with each other, which took forever. <laughs> because there are like 50 people on the stage. And secondly, because Marion Williamson insisted on giving everyone a palm reading. <laughs> she was like, uh, spoiler alert, you're not gonna win Hickenlooper. <laughs> but when the debate part of the debate finally kicked off, it began with a number one issue for most Democratic voters and Americans at large, healthcare. We can create a universal healthcare system to give everyone basic healthcare for free. And I have a proposal to do it. But we don't have to go around and be the party of subtraction and telling half the country who has private health insurance that their health insurance is illegal. We have tried this experiment with the insurance companies. And what they've done is they've sucked billions of dollars out of our healthcare system. When we're talking about healthcare, we need to talk about more than just the healthcare plan. We need to realize we have a sickness care rather than a healthcare system. Medicare for all is comprehensive. It covers all healthcare needs for senior citizens. It will finally include dental care, hearing aids, and eyeglasses. Okay, why, why does Bernie sound like he's pitching healthcare only for himself? <laughs> we, will, we will cover hearing aids, eyeglasses, and insurance if you slip in the shower. Uh, especially in my downstairs shower where it got that weird part of mildew that gets slippery. The point is it's for everyone. <laughs> so fundamentally, all the Democrats on tonight's stage, they, look, they agreed on the basic idea of universal healthcare. What they disagreed on was how exactly to do it. On Bernie's end, he was talking about one government-run insurance system for everyone. On Delaney's end of the spectrum, it was a government plan and the option to also have private health insurance. But basically, it was different flavors of the same thing. You know, it's like on a night where you and your friends agree that you're gonna party all night long, and then one of you drinks Red Bull and the other one does cocaine. It's different levels, <laughs> different levels. But when it came to immigration, when it came to immigration, tonight's debaters were a lot less clear. When I'm president, illegally crossing the border will still be illegal. We need to expand legal immigration. We need to create a path for citizenship, not just for dreamers. We got 100,000 people showing up at the border right now. If we decriminalize entry, if we get health care to everyone, we'll have multiples of that. Make sure whatever law we have doesn't allow children to be snatched from their parents and put in cages. How hard can that be? We've got, I don't know, on the two debate nights, we've got 170 years of Washington experience. Somehow it seems like that should be fairly fixable. Why, why is Hickenlooper asking the other candidates to give him the answers? <laughs> He's like, guys, you guys have experience. What do you, what do you think we should do here? <laughs> this is a presidential debate, my friend, not an escape the room. <laughs> He's like, guys, if we put our minds together, shut up! That's how this works. If Hickenlooper's elected, he'll be like, I promise that I will go on Yahoo Answers to see if anyone knows how to fix this thing. Come on, Hickenlooper. American politics isn't about people coming together to solve problems. It's about one person making huge promises they can't get done. 
Although in Hickenlooper's defense, maybe he was confused because the whole debate surrounding immigration tonight was confusing, all right? At one point, it seemed like the Democrats were saying illegal immigration would still be illegal if they were in the White House. But then it sort of morphed, and then at some point it seemed like it wouldn't be a crime to sneak across the border into the U.S. It was a mess. And it's a mess that Donald Trump has successfully started to create. Because you realize, he started painting the Democrats as a party of open borders. And now they're struggling to convey their compassion for asylum seekers without sounding like they want to give visas to ISIS. <laughs> and in the Democrats' defense, anytime one of them tried to make a nuanced argument, the moderators stepped in to tell them that they were out of time. Those who are insufficiently insured are enrolled in Medicare. Just a 15 seconds. And those who, who have employer-sponsored insurance. Who's offering a Jake, this is important. The healthcare industry will be advertising tonight on this program. Thank you, Senator. Big ideas that we can get done. This Thank state you, Congressman. They will see a you, 40% reduction you, in their health care. Thank you, Senator. If we could all just stick to the rules of the time, that would be great. Yeah! You tell them, Jake, stick to the rules of the time. CNN doesn't have time for these candidates and all these people debating on how they're gonna lower the price of prescription drugs. We gotta make an ad for prescription drugs. It's coming up next. <laughs> Come on. Voters are watching the debate like, I don't know who I'm voting for, but I'm gonna ask my doctor about Lipitor. I gotta talk to him. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, this is like one of the major things of the night for me, all right? According to CNN's rules, candidates would get as little as 15 seconds to respond to a policy question, which is great for snappy TV, but it's horrible for policy debates. You know, and it's also a good thing that CNN doesn't run a restaurant. That would be horrible. Just be like looking up at the waiter who's Jake Tappy, be like, I'll order the pasta, but I, I'm allergic to... Time's up, thank you very much. That's what I'm gonna... <laughs> no, but I'll die if I... I said thank you. <laughs> oh, and uh, CNN didn't have time to let people elaborate on their response, but they had time to start some beefs. You support Medicare for all. Congressman Delaney just referred to it as bad policy, and previously he has called the idea political suicide that will just get President Trump reelected. What do you say to Congressman Delaney? In the last debate, she said, the politicians who are not supporting Medicare for all simply lack the will to fight for it. You do not support Medicare for all. Is Senator Warren correct? Do you just not lack the will to fight? Who on the stage is making promises just to get elected? Ms. Williamson, how do you respond to the criticism from Senator Warren that you're not willing to fight for Medicare for all? <laughs> I, I don't know if Senator Warren said that about me specifically. Wow, CNN, you catty bitch. <laughs> Half of those questions might as well have been pick three people on the stage, F, marry, kill, go, go. <laughs> like, I felt like at any moment they were about to go like, oh, by the way, Elizabeth, did you notice that Klobuchar totally stole your look? Just saying, <laughs> just saying. And, and, and look, don't get me, I'm not saying CNN wanted fights just to gin up the ratings. I'm just saying it was a little suspicious when they even lowered that cage over the stage. <laughs> and I don't know if it was CNN or if it was the formats of the nights, but Bernie Sanders in particular, he seemed ready to throw down. Jake, your question is a Republican talking point. What do you say to Congressman Delaney? You're wrong. Tech of the ball. Maybe you did that and made money off of healthcare, but our job is to run a nonprofit healthcare <laughs> system. If we're gonna force Americans to make these radical changes, they're not gonna go along. You throw your hands up, but you, right. you haven't. You don't know Tech of the ball. We'll come to you in a second. I do know when I wrote the damn bill. Damn! Bernie was not messing around tonight, huh? 
Yeah, I thought he was gonna send someone to the hospital and then pay their entire bill. He was, uh, <laughs> whoo! The total opposite of Bernie tonight, though, was Marion Williamson. Yeah, she came in with her trademark tranquility and peaceful vibes. And when it came to issues of race, she got the crowd on her side. We have communities, particularly communities of color and disadvantaged communities all over this country who are suffering from environmental injustice. I assure you, I lived in Gross Point. What happened in Flint would not have happened in Gross Point. This is part of the dark underbelly of American society. The racism, the bigotry. And if the Democrats don't start saying it, then why would those people feel that they're there for us? And if those people don't feel it, they won't vote for us and Donald Trump will win. Wow, Marion Williamson, huh? That was a powerful moment in the debates. I didn't know it was possible for a white woman to get that much attention from black people without calling the cops. That was amazing. <laughs> she was fired, you see that? It was an amazing night. And for many people, she was the winner of the debate. She came out, she said what she wanted to say, she didn't waste her time. And all in all, I, like, I don't, I don't think this was the most earth-shattering debate, right? The timing of the questions felt inconsistent. The candidates' responses weren't crystal clear, and we didn't really learn anything new. One of the only exceptions tonight was Elizabeth Warren, right? She was connecting with the audience. She seemed to be crystal clear every time, and she never seemed off her game. So I think Democrats win when we run on real solutions, not impossible promises. When we run on things that are workable, not fairy tale economics. You know, I don't understand why anybody goes to all the trouble of running for president of the United States just to talk about what we really can't do and shouldn't fight for. Mm. Mm. Oh, Warren got Delaney there. She's got a good point. Running for president is about shooting for the moon, right? When Trump ran for president, he didn't run with incremental ideas. He was like, build a wall! Another country will pay for it. <laughs> yeah, Obama was like, we can. He wasn't like, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see, we'll try. Uh, we, we can. But some of these candidates tonight are like, let's make America 8.5% better than it was yesterday. <laughs> and that really was the biggest split in the debate tonight. It was Democrats who wanted major systemic change and those who wanted to fiddle in the margins. And I'll be honest, there's only one side that's gonna win this. And it's gonna be, sorry, what's that? Jake Tapper says I've run out of time. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show, where we are coming to you live after the Democratic debates. There is so much more to discuss from this debate. The question is, which correspondent should I discuss it with? Well, there's only one way to decide. It's going to be Roy Wood Jr. With pants on! Roy Wood Jr., everybody! Got pants on. It's for the better, Roy. Got it's for the better. On. What's going on? All right, Roy, we all watched the debate. Yeah. Uh, everyone has their own feelings. What was your takeaway from tonight's debate? Uh, I'll tell you my biggest takeaway, Trevor. There's too many damn people on that goddamn stage! <laughs> The last time I saw that many people on one stage was when Moonlight and La La Land was fighting over an Oscar. <laughs> this is the other thing. When you have that many people, and, and Jake Tapper's only giving them two seconds to talk, you can't debate policy. It just becomes a shouting match. And no one wins a shouting match. Except for Bernie. 
Bernie yells so loud, he damaged his own hearing, which means he has to yell even louder. It's a vicious cycle, bro. Well, here's some good news for you and many others out there. The debates in September will require higher poll numbers and more unique donors, which should actually cut the number of candidates in half. Half? Half of too goddamn many is still too damn many. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I told Tupac he was only getting shot with half the bullets, he wouldn't be like, oh, gee, what a treat. It's not good enough. Yeah, but, okay, but, Roy, but you have to accept that this is part of the process, though. Well, then maybe the process needs to change, bruh. The Democrats need to find the candidate who can go after Trump fast. Can't be wasting time with people polling at 1%. In fact, if, if you're polling at 1%, you shouldn't even get your own podium. If you poll that 1%, they should all have to debate on one team, like in Family Feud. <laughs> and y'all just huddle up and come up with one answer for everyone. I don't know. I don't know, Roy. That doesn't seem feasible, man. Come on. Okay, okay. Here's another way to cut down on all the people up there. Ten candidates, but only five podiums. <laughs> and if you can get to a podium, you get to debate. <laughs> it's a little game that I invented. It's called Musical Podiums. <laughs> Trademark. You mean, like, musical chairs? No, no, no. This is totally different. Roy, totally okay, look, different. Roy, Roy, I get why you want to speed the whole thing up, but this isn't about finding out, like, just who's the fastest person. It's about finding out who has, like, the best plan for the nation. <laughs> <laughs> the nation? No one gives a shit about the nation? Come on, African. <laughs> this is America. Democrats need to pick the candidate who can beat Trump in the swing states. That's all. I'm talking Wisconsin. Pennsylvania, you gotta get the cheese people, then you gotta win the cheese steak people. <laughs> but, but Florida's gonna be the most important. Florida, you gotta make all the candidates take bath salts, see who can handle their shit. Well, dude, yeah, aren't bath salts dangerous? Salts. What if the candidates get violence and then, like, bite each other's faces off? Great! <laughs> That's fewer debaters. Two birds, one stone. Roy, That's a good Roy, idea. I don't think that they're gonna let the candidates get drugged up and tear each other apart on stage. Then this country's in bigger trouble than I thought. Roy with Junior, everyone. We'll be right back. You got some crazy ideas. You can't have the pizza. <laughs> Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is the Washington correspondent for New York Magazine, who is also co-authoring a book about the 2020 presidential campaign. Please welcome Olivia Nutzi. So, as somebody who is writing a book about 2020, tonight's debate, mm -hmm. do you think that factors in? Is it, is it a domino? Is it anything that shifted the conversation in any way? What was your big takeaway of tonight's? Well, I think we won't know what is important two years from now until two years from now, right? We might look back at this debate and say that this was a turning point. This is when Marianne Williamson became president. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Which is... Or, oh, I, you say kidding. After Trump, anything is possible. So, yes. Right. Or uh, we look back and we can barely remember it. We won't know until then. Right. Because there are a lot of moments, even when we were talking about Donald Trump saying his hands at that, at that debate stage that they were on tonight. Right, right. I mean, I could... If I was asked where he did that, I would have no idea earlier today. So when you look at just tonight then in isolation, you had 10 people up on that stage who all, you know, were trying to get policy ideas across. Let's start at the basics. Do you think they were successful in doing that? Some of them were. Um, I think it's difficult to see where they differ. Uh, there, there are a lot of similarities with what they believe. And I think uh, it depends on the personality 
uh, I think Elizabeth Warren is very consistent. She talks about the same things in the same way, right. regardless of where she is, right? Um, and I think somebody like Pete Buttigieg is a little bit uh, less talented at getting across what precisely he believes uh, because of the way that he communicates it in an environment like he's, that. He's more careful with his wording. Yeah. Right. When you look at Marion Williamson tonight, why do you think she won the debate, as they say? Are they saying that? No, I'm saying as people... <laughs> no, I'm saying as a phrase, you know, people say they won the debate. I don't know how you win a debate. I don't debate, know how you win the debate But people say either. they won the debate, so... I, I think pundits... This is something that pundits get to decide, right? right? And so we, therefore, really shouldn't believe it when people say anything definitive about something where there is no voting. Um, but that said, I do think she was a very strong performer tonight. And I think it's because she's coming from it, she's, it was not uh, the most diverse crowd up there. Yes, <laughs> um, right. And I think she is genuinely different and that helps kind of set her apart and helps her be heard. But I also think the way that she talks about these things, she's not, because the expectations for her are so low, they're much lower than they are. <laughs> no, this is true. This, I understand what you're saying. They because, are. Yes, because you're coming in as a 1% yes. non-politician. No one was, yes. like, waiting for her to right. get in the race because they thought she was surely the next president, right, right. right? She does not have that in common with Hillary Clinton. Um, but I think because the expectations are so low, she uh, is kind of freed up. She's able to talk and say what she really means and what she really thinks, and she doesn't sound like a consultant, clearly, right. or not like any consultant I've ever met. Yes. And so she's able to get at these kind of universal truths in an interesting way. And I think that separates her from people like Pete Buttigieg right, right, or right. even Beto or any of the other candidates who are so afraid of screwing up that they uh, sound inhuman. If you were to look at today's debate as uh, foreshadowing for tomorrow's debate, mm -hmm. there are 10 other candidates who are now lining up. Are there? They've seen how... <laughs> they've, I think there's even, like, four, like, backups if they need substitutes. <laughs> Those candidates have now watched a debate. They've seen how CNN does it. It's a different style to NBC's. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's a little bit of a different tactic that they use. If you were looking at tomorrow's debate and you were giving advice to those candidates, what would you say that they would need to improve on from tonight? Well, I wouldn't give advice to any candidates. Um, but, but if I, you had to, what would you say? If I had to, I guess I would say to try and not be so stiff. I mean, as journalists, we want more information all the time, right? right? That's what we want in general from any politician. And I think that when you talk in this stilted way, when you sound like a consultant, when you're afraid of making people angry at you, you're tiptoeing around, uh, you're not really saying the truth. And I think people can sense that, and I do think that is part of why Marion Williamson was able to really puncture through in some ways right, tonight. Right, right, she really had a She really had a powerful breakthrough moment. One thing that was interesting for me is watching how different moderators and how different stations can shape how a debate actually yeah. plays out. You know, NBC's debate was very different to CNN's one tonight. Mm -hmm. For instance, NBC would ask questions directly of a candidate just of their policies. It yeah. seemed like CNN tonight skewed more towards how do you respond to somebody mm -hmm. else's criticism of you during a race, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Uh, do you think that is something that a journalist should be doing, or do you think that's just like up to a network? Like, how do you how do you figure out a good debate as a journalist? I don't know. I guess it, the result is what tells us whether or not it was a good debate. Did we learn a lot? Right. right? Did we was the information gleaned during the debate uh, important, valuable to voters? Um, did we see something that we didn't know about before? Um, I do think I think people talk a lot about the media being biased in one way or another to the left or to the right. Usually, they're talking about it having a liberal bias, which I think uh, can be true in some cases, uh, but. But I do think that the real bias in the media is towards conflict. It's not about an ideological thing. Oh, it's just that journalists look for rifts. They look for um, 
things that are happening. And right, often right, in right. politics, what's happening is conflict, whether it's inside of a campaign or it's between candidates. Uh, that is exciting. It makes for good television. It makes for a good headline. And I think that oftentimes uh, means that you can't really have much of a conversation because uh, the truth is usually nuanced and it's not black and white. Right. Doesn't make for great TV unless you get the people to fight. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm thank excited you. to see what happens tomorrow. Thank you for having me. Olivia Nutzi, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.